0: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45
1: up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
2: Hi, I'm Lawrence Delaglio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance.
0: So first of all, happy Pride Month to everybody listening from us here at The Evening Standard. In this special show, I'll be speaking to members of The Evening Standard's LGBTQ plus community to chat about the different things that pride means to us.
1: Queerness is so... It's become such a hot topic in the news um, in positive ways and maybe some not so positive. Pride is a massive party right? It's about showing that the gays throw the best
3: parties and inviting everyone along. But I think it's important to remember that it came from a place of
4: protest. Maybe it is time to actually commemorate the, the suffering that the community has been through in the past couple of centuries. Because without commemorating it, how can you actually celebrate it?
0: Later, I'll be joined in the studio by our social media editor Kate Rice, features writer Elle Hunt, and video journalist Rani Al-Alas. But first, columnist Emma LaFargan is with me. Emma, how far do you think that we've come from the early days of the Stonewall riot Pride?
5: In recent years, Pride has definitely become more of a protest as we've seen a ramping up of anti-LGBT rhetoric. Even in my lifetime, I feel like the pride flag has gone from something that kind of corporations and governments would adopt, even the most risk-averse organizations would adopt as kind of, you know, a very uncontroversial symbol to mark pride month. But in the last couple of years, I think particularly beginning in the US, something that's been imported globally is that that flag for a lot of people has become now quite a contested symbol and something that, you know, members of the LGBTQ community really have to defend. And I think a good example of that is drag shows and and the protests that surround drag shows. You know, in the last year, 50 or something drag shows have had protesters standing outside them, something that's really never been an issue in this country. But, yeah, in the last couple of years, it's really become this culture war issue that a lot of people have latched onto kind of peddling these conspiracy theories about LGBT people which we saw a lot in the 80s when pride you know first originated i think a lot of this rhetoric is returning which means that pride now has to become more of a, a protest more of a month to raise awareness of those issues as well as, obviously, a celebration of the community.
0: Why do you think that something that seems so absurd, just at the glance of it, like banning drag shows or calling for the banning of drag shows, why do you think that that really specific issue is something that people are latching onto.
5: There's the one side of, of kind of online conspiracy theories. A lot of the groups that peddle these things are also linked to other conspiracy theory groups, other extreme right groups, white supremacist groups that often have an amalgamation of these kind of uh, anti-LGBT, anti-black rhetorics that kind of converge in these specific touch points like drag shows. But also I think it's important to point out that, you know, these are these issues are part of a wider culture war sensationalist narrative that has taken hold in the UK and that I also think you know the government has a role in this too you know it's not just conspiracy theorists the reason why I think they've been able to gain so much legitimacy is because there hasn't been enough momentum to call them out from the government and i think the government often do rely on culture war tactics culture war ideas to gain support you know we need we need help from legislators as well
0: it would be great if they were listening to this but the likelihood perhaps is slim for everybody else listening what do you think it's hard to pinpoint one thing but what are some things that maybe people should be more aware of when it comes to pride.
5: I think the vast majority of us know someone who's in the LGBT community, even if you're not a part of it yourself. And I think just interacting with those people in your community, whether it's friends, family, you know, as I say, most people know someone, so just trying to get away from the noise that often, you know, our generation on social media are surrounded by. And it's often very, very negative portrayals of people in the LGBT community. So it's really important to step away from that and surround yourself with the people in your community, in your life, who are part of the LGBT community. I also think attending pride marches, there's Trans Pride in London and also Pride in London, they're really beautiful days where the community comes together and there's performances and there's laughter, dancing, music. It's They're really, really wonderful days and I think immersing yourself in that is really important.
0: So we're almost going back to basics. We're going offline, back to the history of Pride when it first started and those real important things like community that yeah. can really help people.
5: Yeah, exactly. I think those things are really, really important and you know, as I say, it, it's really easy to get swept up in the online community. And that's how people get part of these conspiracy theories, which are really, really harmful. So, yeah, let's take it offline.
0: <laughs> that was Emma Lofagan. Let's go to a quick break now. Afterwards, I'll be speaking to more of
2: our journalists on what Pride means to them. Wherever you get your podcasts, thanks for listening.
0: Welcome back. I'm Dan Cody and with me now are the social editor of the Evening Standard, Kate Rice. Hi. Elle Hunt, features writer. Hi Elle. And Rani Alalas, video editor. Hey. Um, And I thought we'd just get into a conversation about how you felt during this month and what you see around you if maybe Kate you want to kick us off?
1: I think it's quite an interesting time for Pride Month really because obviously queerness is so it's become such a hot topic in the news um, in positive ways and maybe some not so positive. As a queer woman myself it's quite tricky to sort of find that balance of feeling proud of who I am and then also seeing some really awful things about other people in my community uh, specifically the trans community and although I'm not a part of it myself it's been really difficult to sort of see that so uh, become so toxic in the discussion around Pride and how it's kind of almost shut things down into a more negative space than it has in the past.
0: Is that something that you guys can relate to with what you've seen, Elle?
3: Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. Um, You know, Pride is a massive party right? It's about showing that the gays throw the best parties and inviting everyone along. But I think it's important to remember that it came from a place of protest and activism And it feels like we're in a time of a lot of division, a lot of kind of ignorance and misinformation. And for me, pride is a really kind of important time for us all to stand together in solidarity with each other. That's kind of what it symbolises for me.
0: And Rani, I know that you and your team will be heading off to the parade on Saturday. What kind of things have you been seeing? And what what does it really mean to you when you go out there and speak to people?
4: I feel like we could do a bit more, you know. I feel like... It's just this month and we try to cram it all into the month but I feel like it kind of should be celebrated a bit more. We should have more throughout the year and not just highlight them now. So trying to search for those stories because they might not just be there in our faces but if we look a bit deeper we'll find them and making a voice for the LGBTQ plus community.
0: That's really interesting and as we kind of move into the the future of this and you know, Pride's something that's going to be around for hopefully a very, very, very long time and keep adapting and changing. And L, you touched on the point of misinformation there. What kind of stories do you think we're not really talking about? What kind of topics do people need to be more aware of?
3: We've obviously come a long, long way since Pride began in 1970. But there are also a lot of issues that are still remaining for us to fight on in the UK. You know, the government has kind of spoken about the fact that they're going to remove the financial barriers that exist for same-sex female couples to access fertility treatment which is something that i really welcome but seems to have gone quiet outside of the uk there are many countries around the world where it's illegal to be gay still illegal to be queer or trans yeah
0: and um, in terms of you know we're in a workplace obviously here at the evening standard i like to think that we feel very honest and open in who we are um, in our day-to-day lives but do you think that that's something that we need to work on more and do you think that workplaces need to change and adapt and in your own lives maybe in this country do you f- still feel like you and your friends and people you know feel open to being themselves?
4: Well I have a particular friend, one of my best friends, um, I won't mention her name but she is lesbian and it's something within her her close friendship she's so open about but having people who she works with on social media she's having to now hide her stories her close friends stories and sort of kind of hide who she is because of comments that have been made at work. I know seeing her pain and how uncomfortable she is that we're just not quite there and there aren't enough talks about diversity in work rooms and there aren't people are still sharing such terrible opinions and it's it's just so sad to see that people feel so uncomfortable to be who they really are.
1: I think what's important um, when it comes to allyship in the workplace but also in our personal lives is not just saying that you support these things it's why do you support these things how are you supporting them how are you supporting your queer colleagues and friends it's more than just saying the right buzzwords. Um, that make you feel good about the issue. It's also about making sure that your queer colleagues and uh, peers are supported. Uh, If there's an uncomfortable situation that arises at work, how are you helping them? How are you um, trying to solve the issue? Um, It's not just about sitting by and letting them celebrate. It's about actually making change and accepting them in their workspace.
0: Obviously, pride over the years has become much more commercialised and popular and one of the criticisms of Pride is that brands perhaps have too much involvement in it. Do you think that there is a role that commercialism and that kind of thing can play in progression or do you think that it should be kept aside and left to the people that are actually in the queer community?
3: I feel this is a conversation that comes up every year and someone has to foot a massive bill for the parade if Costa Coffee or Robert Dias or whoever wants to pick it up I don't know that I have a massive problem with that I think what I do have a problem with is brands big corporations who adopt the kind of rainbow branding for the month a bit like we were saying before kind of say that they support the community but when it comes to actually implementing policies that help their queer employees all year round they're kind of hesitant to do that and then I think it's nothing more than a gesture.
1: It's something that needs to be a constant effort and it's not just something that we can spend one month patting ourselves on the back for saying look we support you. Um, It's not corporations taking away their rainbow branding on July 1st every year. It needs to be um, a constant improvement that we all need to be working ourselves towards whether that's for gay, lesbian, bisexual people or transgender people which like For the latter, it has been a particularly toxic environment for them in uh, news and in politics.
0: Moving forward into a kind of future perspective then, what gives you hope?
4: It is quite hard, isn't it? Because at the moment, it seems like for the last couple of decades, things have been progressing forward. And it is quite scary how suddenly it seems like everything is progressing backwards and having politicians speak so so openly and being like transphobic, it's scary hearing those comments, even from our own prime minister, so. But being hopeful, hmm, it is hard. <laughs> I'm not sure, like I do hope that things change. I do hope that maybe with new leadership, better decisions will be made, there'll be children feeling more comfortable about coming out at school and there'll be more support for them. Workplaces will do more within diversity networks to support people in the LGBTQ plus community. And, you know, like you said, maybe it is time to actually commemorate the the suffering that the community has been through in the past couple of centuries Because without commemorating it, how can you actually celebrate it? Without saying sorry and recognising all of the unjust things that happened, how can you then just cover up everything and just say, let's have a huge party? So maybe starting from there and then being able to celebrate, I can see some hope. How about you, Al? Trying to kind of find hope,
3: I just think about, you know, like a a teenage queer kid turning up at Soho Square for the first time or, you know, turning up at Trans Pride Takeover at Glastonbury or Trans Pride in Trafalgar Square and just seeing this sea of people who are so loud and so visible um, and feeling a bit less alone because of that, that's the thing that gives me hope.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think building on top of that, when you look at things like how culture has shifted even just like in the last five to ten years, even just like with shows like Heartstopper, I'm definitely not the target demographic. Um, But I I watched it and I loved it. And it's like, if I was in school as like an 11, 12 year old girl who was confused about herself, I would have just absolutely loved having that show when you're actually part of that community and you see it being represented more and more, knowing that kids growing up are going to see that as a norm now because it's not exactly something that's being hidden and it's not always sad storylines. I don't know. It just really like warms your heart seeing how like culture is shifting to reflect what society actually looks like and although there's like a lot of anxiety that can be had around how politics is shifting there's always hope that clearly the grand public opinion is starting to sway hopefully the other way Um, i'd like to think so at least
0: and that's the leader for more news and pride coverage pick up the evening standard newspaper or head to standard.co.uk the leader's back on monday at 4 p.m have a great Pride
2: weekend. Hi, I'm Lawrence Dalalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.